one thing from Friday that uh, that stuck with me. Are you are you keeping fingers at this time How many of you remember a few weeks ago? I think it was just a few weeks ago. Soccer team, where we soccer team got lost in the cave. We were interested to throw that off the cave so people had to actually die to get back to them, to get them food, to get them oxygen, and then bring them out one by one. And even in that process, one of the rescuers died. Do you remember that? Everybody in the world was focused on that. We watched that. Tons of money and manpower and expense of all kinds was made to save those little boys. Those people had a mission. Get them out. Even if you have to do it one at a time. That was the introduction to his, uh, his, his message. And then partway through, he had this one line if, if he doesn't do sermons in a sentence, he ought to. I think so busy. Here's what the sermon in the sentence is I think churches need to look more like the guys on that mission to save the soccer team than a potluck dinner. How do you know that that's the sentence? We all love potluck. Churches look more like that mission rescue, focused on rescuing those boys one at a time. That's the way we're going to rescue 22 million people in the Great Lakes region, one at a time. But it's that process, focus, that. Got to look more like people that want a mission to say that soccer team than a pop Okay. So, if you ignore the rest of it, what I have to tell you is we take no good sermon in a sentence because that's good stuff. Okay. I confess this to you before I'm going to do it again. I like detective shows. I like those cops and robber shows. I don't care what you call them. Uh, I like that. Particularly like the ones where you just kind of follow the team through and figuring out who's doing it. I believe I like those things. Uh, Criminal Minds is one of my favorites. Uh, NCIS. I, the CSI stuff, I think they're too bad. They don't have those anymore. But uh, I really enjoy those. Um, in Criminal Minds, they talk about. Uh, the criminal minds are always trying to get, uh, capture serial killers or kidnappers or something like that. And they always talk about the criminal signature, the, the, the way they do things. Everybody's a little different, and there's a unique way that they connect their minds. And so uh, when they're looking for the killers or the, the criminal signatures, older shows that I was growing up. Uh, they would talk about somebody's MO. And I'm going to ask anybody to raise their hand if you would say, remember that, but some of you do. Uh, MO. Those letters came from modus operandi. Uh, 
nature, the method of operation. It's the same thing as the signature. It's just a unique way that the people that are looking for it is the same thing did. But Colonel is not the only one with a signature or a model. We all have that. In fact, it's been my observation, not only personally, but as I have watched others. The first year or two, of a couple years is when those things are really obvious. And when he tweets, he tweets right here, he tweets right there, when everybody knows it's just a group of the way I do it. Okay, so we got to talk this out. As a couple now, what is going to be our MO for tweeting to do something? What are we going to do? Right? Uh, what do you mean to take the rule on that? Over or under? Or just don't bother? Uh, we all have our MOs, we all have our businesses. It's the way that the Holy person, and the Holy Spirit is a person. And we're in series of, we're trying to discern his signature. His mode of operation, so to speak. And we realize that there comes a time when it dawns on us that we're like that valley of dry bones that Ezekiel talked about in our Bible reading this morning. And that left to ourselves, we are hopelessly and hopelessly disconnected from God. We're dead, dry bones. That's ourselves, we don't know that we're separated from him. Dead things don't know so. You're not sure. Yeah, come here, I'll talk with this afternoon. That's what I was doing. I'm sorry. I don't know if that was a little too much that I probably was broke. But anyway, I was a biologist major. Who likes to see stuff like that? But okay. That's ourselves. Even when we know that we should be loving God and other people more, we can't. And, and even, even when we want to, we find that, well, we just focus on the people that are easy to love and those others, well, you know, they're special. But for ourselves, we are so lost, we don't know it, and we don't care. Because when you don't know your life, you don't care what you are. There are things on your mind. And also, ourselves, we're asleep at the wheel, so to speak. Well, if you're lying asleep, well, the relationship with God that He created us to enjoy is dead, non existent. But thanks to the Holy Spirit, we are not left to ourselves. The Holy Spirit pursues all people, showering them with Jesus' love and guiding them home to the heart of the Father, even when they're not aware of it. He's there working in them and encouraging them to turn around. When we start to have those feelings of, hey, I really need to be a nice person. You didn't wake up with that. You know, that's not an idea that came from me. That's an idea that came from the Holy Spirit. And Spirit's the one that plants those ideas that we need to be more loving and kind. And, and 
when we cooperate with Him, every time we say, God, I need that. And every time we try to let people even know they're unlovable, we get to But that's part of the process of realizing, whoa, something needs to happen here that goes way beyond what I will power. Yeah, I'm a very stubborn person. But there's something that willpower will not take care of. It's not. But when you're dead, I don't care how much you have power. Don't accept the lie. The Holy Spirit, His MO, His signature is love. Everything He does is love. And the first thing that we will ever experience from the Holy Spirit's love is that He reaches us. He reaches out to us first. He doesn't wait until we wake up some morning. He waited for us to wake up some day or at some point in time and realize that we need him. We never do it. He comes to us and wakes us up. He shows us that we need him. To all human beings, every single man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is separated from God because we are by nature and by choice Rebellious runaway. Yeah. I, I, I just to be honest with you, when people talk about they don't believe in God, they're like, that's what you I don't I understand how you're feeling. I really do. But, like, 98% of the bad things that happen in this world are done by people for people. Or as a result of people doing stupid things, thoughtless things. Oh, DDT gets into those ecosystems and ends up in our bloodstreams and gets its mutations. Who would have thought? I thought it was just a meat killer, a bug killer. You know, there's lots of stuff. We do all kinds of things. We are rebellious runaways by nature because just like our physical DNA, our ancestors, uh, is passed on to us through our parents, just as we received that physical DNA from them, we also received spiritual state from them. And that our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents, all the way back to the first parents, that and me, all human and our rebellious runaway. Our first parents, along with all the rest of our ancestors, accepted a snake more than they accepted God. In the moment we said to God, well, I was going to accept the snake, but you already have. Sorry. They chose to do what they thought was right rather than to do what God told them was best. They pass on to us that nature of being a rebellious runaway, of doing our own thing. We've all followed their example. You and I have all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We are rebellious runaways by our own choices as well. 
have chosen to leave us, to rebel against us. In the first century, there was a man named Paul who started a whole lot of, of, of churches, new communities of Jesus followers around the Mediterranean Sea. He even started over uh, on the east of Christian, what we now call Turkey, and worked his way around through Greece and eventually ended up in Rome and Italy. He wrote most of the letters that are found in what we call the New Testament in the Bible. Uh, his second letter to the Jesus followers in the Greek city of Corinth, uh, in that he gives a summary of God's strategy to solve our problems. Our, our problem is that all of us are separated from God. All of us are dead, dry bones. God has a strategy. Part of that is the Holy Spirit working to wake us up to our situation, and part of it is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. He says that they throw down. Uh, and you know they've been talking about some other things, but basically he says, Jesus died for all of us, and so all of us have died, and just like he lived, we all can live. So, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look what is new has come. In Christ, that's an interesting phrase. It's a phrase that shows up a lot in the verses we're about to read. It's a phrase that shows up a lot in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. And what it means is having a relationship with Jesus. A relationship of trust and love from us to him in response to his love for us. It's that we are connected to Jesus by faith. Trust. Loyalty. What it means to be in Christ. It doesn't mean I said a phrase right now. I think I should clarify this. Doesn't mean I say a prayer on it. Doesn't mean I say my prayers every day. Doesn't mean I pray every before every meal. Doesn't mean I pray now when we go to sleep or whatever else I might pray. Doesn't mean I've been baptized. Doesn't mean I'm a member of a church, even a Western church. Being Christ means that we are in a relationship with Him that's based on love and faith in response to His love for us. Because He loves us first, and then we love Him in return. That's what it means to be in Christ. And when we do that, when we recognize that He's the only thing that's going to be able to fix us in terms of us being dead, dry bones, then it's Jesus is going to be able to make us flesh and blood and living again. Spiritually speaking, use that picture from the detail. And when we recognize that He's the only one, and we trust Him, and we ask Him to work in our lives to forgive our sins, to forgive our rebelliousness, to forgive us for running away, to forgive us, and to make us alive, He makes us a brand new creation. He doesn't 
need to work. He doesn't restore us. He resurrects us. Spiritually. No longer we're better strongly by nature or by choice. We become God's dearly loved children who learn how to choose to obey Him because we love Him. Come home to our Heavenly Father who longs to welcome us graciously. So, in Christ, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. In verse 18, it goes on to say, And all these things, all these blessings that we have, is becoming a new creation, the forgiveness of the new life. All these things come from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now pause for a moment. God reconciled us to himself. There is a picture of God that is slightly inaccurate. What God has done for us as a result. Slightly inaccurate is my nice little kind of thing. Okay? Uh, this is you, but God wanted to stop it. But somehow he just talked him out of it. He said, hey, stop me instead. And God said, okay, but if somebody might look at you, so he said, Jesus, can you get off the bus? Now, granted, the people, the theologians that that is not saying exactly the way I would say it. But I would just say that's what they mean. That is the truth. God the Father loves us, God the Son loves us, and God the Holy Spirit loves us. There's nobody in the Trinity that wants to swap us. Nobody. Nobody. Father wants us in his family. Jesus volunteered to do whatever it would take to bring us back into his family. Jesus was focused on a mission of bringing every human being back into God's family. That's what he calls us to. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry, the mission of helping people know God doesn't want to stop you. God just wants you back at home with him. You don't have to make him love you. He already loves you. You don't have to earn his favor. He's already giving it to you. You just need to say, hey, I'm willing to come home. That's it. We make this so complicated. You're going to rebel us one way going this way. All you're going to do is turn around and go, there you are. Because he's not a long way off. He's right there behind you, tapping you on the shoulder and passing you around the harder he talks. Come on. 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 Come God was reconciling the world to himself. 
many people think that they think self-talking against them, and he has given us the message of reconciliation. He's not given us the ministry of reconciliation, he's given the message of reconciliation to us, and he says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, and so God will make you get free through us. So we plead with you on Christ's behalf, being reconciled to God. There's a thing we need to understand. God comes after us with everything He has. He has showered us with love. He has done everything He can to wake us up. But we can refuse to wake up. We can say, no, I don't sleep too much. Kind of reminds me of a cartoon style. Resurrection. 
make the world a difference. I think it's going down to the plan and the reason we are and ask them to bring it back to life. There's a meaning of the hospital that probably set me into. Right? The doctor is way past resuscitation. But it's never past resurrection. Jesus resurrection. We have a whole lot of work to do because we spent our entire lifetime learning how to live the way this world does, which is a rebellious, runaway world. We got to unlearn and then learn to unlearn the rebellious, runaway ideas and patterns, and then learn to love. So it's a process. We wait for this intervention. It's a time when it happens. And you will know that you know. You, you will know that you know that you know that it happens. Because, you know, just think about this. If you had gotten a pile of bones in the valley of the dry bones, don't you think you would have known that you were no longer a pile of bones? You were now alive and walking around and doing whatever God told you to do. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, I would never be a part of those. That was my time. I'm dead. Sorry. At first, the change may not be noticeable, but it will become noticeable. It will become more evident. I read not too long ago about a man who. Just he was in college, he was looking back in time and he was, yeah, said yes to me. He had a very serious invitation to, to be given a new life and forgiven and become a new creation. He was in college, he'd never been in church, he didn't really believe in God. He had friends there that did, and talked to him about God, he'd gone to Bible study with him, and he heard him pray. You know, I'm still so unconvinced. Just wasn't sure. So, he, I hope all skeptics pray at some point. If I ever get a chance, I ever come again, I encourage people to pray this prayer. God, you're there, do something for me. Do something in my life. Change me. Let me know you're real. He didn't know if I were your tears. No, nothing. Nothing seemed to happen. Three days later, he was playing pool. With one of his fraternity brothers, and he missed a shot. And his fraternity brother looked at him and said, What happened to you? He said, Really? Last week, if he had missed that shot, he would have been packing and cursing up a blue streak. And he didn't even say a word to them. What happened to you? The whole Jesus thing was a fake, and all of a sudden he's gone. Oh, I heard this. That was about two years ago, the first testimony. What? Last week I heard the crazy thing. He's gone to go out there and do something. Oh, did he go? No. And his 
the one who became sin for us and died for us and rose for us and I living in us through the power of His Holy Spirit. It is in Him that makes us the righteousness of God, makes us right in our relationship with Him and makes us right in the way we are learning to act and think and relate to people. He's the one who makes us well as we are. When the Holy Spirit begins to point out your problem, to point out that, that Jesus is the only solution, you are probably dead bones spiritually, and that Jesus is the one that can raise you up. You also will try to do things on your own. God tells us in the kitchen. Maybe I should volunteer more. Maybe I should uh, give more, help more people. Maybe I should just, you know, every morning I'll decide I'm going to do it. Think I try to be good. I need to go to church more. I'm going to give more. Whatever. And, and these are all fine ideas. I want you to understand these are not bad ideas, but I, you also need to know that all of that bones can't do anything for itself. You cannot make yourself into a new creation. You cannot work your way back into God's family. But you can say yes to the Holy Spirit when He says, flesh on those bones, muscles on those bones, life in those lungs. Welcome home to the family. And just say yes. So this morning, I want to ask you to join me in prayer. You can pray where you are, you can stand, you can sit, you can come and sit in or kneel here in the front, however you want to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. I'm going to invite you right now to move into whatever place and position you want to take for prayer as we move this prayer.